How y'all doing today? It's your boy Jermaine from Shovel Nose Hogs back with another podcast. And for this podcast, I want to talk about how I got to this point of being an entry level hog nose breeder and just basically kind of detailing how the passion started and everything that that led up to this point that I'm at right now. So we're going to start all the way at the beginning from when I was a kid and how I got interested in reptiles. And so basically my story is it's like most people that love reptiles and animals. I've always had a passion for it ever since I was a little kid, ever since I could remember. I know one of my favorite places to go on a weekend was the pet store. In particular, when I lived um, in Georgia as a kid, I used to love to go to this particular one called Petland. And they had all kind of stuff. And I I didn't necessarily gravitate to the reptiles, but I know the ferrets and the hamsters and gerbils and the puppies that were there. Those were some of the things that I gravitated to. And I just I just love being in that atmosphere, being around animals. I also loved going to the Humane Society and seeing the puppies and playing with the, the older dogs. That was just a getaway, something that I, I always wanted to do. And I remember being a kid. Um, I remember that I wanted to eventually volunteer at the Humane Society just so I can be around the dogs. And it's kind of crazy because um, I think I got my first animal when I was five years old. It was a hamster and I named him Tommy after one of the Power Rangers. And I had him a a few years and eventually um, my mom got rid of him. And then after that, I think my second uh animal outside of my dog i ended up getting a dog after that named fred he was a mutt i remember he was like a german shepherd and child mix but my first reptile i was still probably in elementary school this was probably in the late 90s was a leopard gecko and i named him after mike tyson so my leopard gecko was named tyson and uh it's crazy looking back on it now with everything that we know now in terms of keeping reptiles i definitely did not keep Tyson how he should have been kept Uh, I just kept him in like a a glass terrarium I had I think wood chips as a substrate I had him a little hide had a water dish and I just gave him crickets I didn't have any source of heat Um, I didn't have a heat lamp or belly heat and in terms of the his diet which was crickets I did not give him any kind of calcium or any kind of vitamins. And it was kind of crazy because I had him for probably a little over a year and he never grew. Um, I got him as a baby and I I just never could figure out why why he didn't grow. And now that I'm older and I know better, it was probably because he was a little malnourished. But yeah, I had him for a little over a year and I think he ended up like swallowing a wood chip or I don't know, it just he for some reason was acting strange. He looked like he was a little sick. And as crazy as this sound, my mom made me release him outside. And I, w- I was living in Georgia at this time and it was like around winter time. So I don't think he survived pretty long outside. But now if I was to say I release a leopard gecko or any other kind of non-native uh, animal outdoors. It's like a, a really big no-no. So like I said, I was in the early nineties. I didn't know any better. And, um, and so that was my first reptile and through my childhood, I had other, other animals. I had frogs, hermit crabs, 
Um, I remember I used to go outside and catch spiders and keep them in jars and actually like raise them up. And uh, whenever they would lay their egg sacs, I would separate the egg sacs and let them hatch out and then release them outside. I used to keep that as a secret because my mother would never let me keep uh, spiders if she knew about them. But it was crazy because the one animal that my mother would never let me keep as a kid was a snake. For some reason, that was the one animal that she was scared of. And like I say, she would not let me have a snake. I could have a a gecko or any kind of lizard. I can have a frog. I (laughs) I can have a dog. But those snakes were off limits. And looking back at it, I think that may be one of the contributing factors to why why I chose to get snakes um, right now. But snakes have always been a passion of mine. I remember coming home from school, watching National Geographics and watching Wild Discovery. I was a big fan of Steve Irwin, like everybody, the Kratz brothers. I remember I used to watch Zavumafu, all that stuff, man. And um, whenever those documentaries would come on, I never was really a big fan of like the African documentaries where they had like the the lions and the zebras and um and things like that i was always interested in the documentaries that focused on reptiles as well as insects and arachnids i really love like the komodo dragon um documentaries as well as the the documentaries that kind of discuss like venomous snakes so i always knew the snakes was a passion of mine and because i was never able to keep one i never even held one as a kid i remember going to walmart one day and they had a guy he had like a kind of like a trailer and he was basically he had like a a burmese python and you had to pay to actually hold his animals and my mom would not let me get nowhere near that snake and that that kind of bothered me because I, i wasn't scared of him but my mom just would not let me get near him and so fast forwarding along uh i ended up moving back to louisiana which i'm originally from at the age of 16 and from the age of 16 to like 23 of graduating from college graduate from high school and college i didn't have any animals um eventually i i got a dog after i finished college and got into my career but in terms of like reptiles like i wouldn't say i kind of lost my passion it just it just i always have a passion but it's just something that i wasn't aware of or something that I never thought that I would get as an adult. I never really had a reason. And you know what I'm saying? Just like I say, I, as a kid, I wasn't really around snakes that much. I never went herping. I never found a wild snake. So outside of seeing like the the ball pythons or maybe even the corn snakes and pet smart or pet code, that was basically all I was exposed to. And so I was kind of looking back on my phone to see the dates that I really got into snakes. And so um, the first time I went to a reptile expo was in June 11, 2017. Now, before I went to this first reptile expo, I never even heard of a reptile expo. I had no idea. The only reptiles, the only snakes that I saw were in a zoo or in PetSmart. And so I guess I was just driving one day and I saw an advertisement. I'm not sure if it was like an advertisement like on the side of the road or feels one of those big billboards but i remember it said there was a a repticon a reptile expo 
And I never, I never heard of that. And I was like, you know what? That might be something that I would be interested in. Uh, when I've seen Reptile Expo, I'm thinking it's just kind of like a zoo to where people would bring their reptiles in, their snakes, and then you can just kind of look at them and uh, maybe even touch them and hold a picture of them. So I was like, you know what? That's something I'll do on a Saturday. And uh, when I went to that first Repticon, it blew me away. I've never seen so many snakes and so many reptiles in my life. And one thing that really, really inspired me or really got it, got the, the reptile um, passion kicking again was just like I felt like I was in a, a place where everybody was like me that had the interest of reptiles because none of my friends, none of my family were into reptiles. I didn't know anybody that had any snakes, but going to that reptile expo, seeing people with their ball pythons around their neck, their Burmese pythons, and just seeing all the different variety of animals that just kind of sparked it for me. And it, I had no idea. I felt like I was like, man, I wish I would have knew about this earlier in life. And so kind of just looking around at the expo, I was just amazed. Um, I had no idea it was so many ball python morphs. I'm, I was just used to seeing like an albino or just a normal ball python. And I just couldn't believe the, the different color palettes that it had, the different morphs. And just seeing all the other animals like Burmese pythons. I think I saw like a green anaconda, um, a yellow anaconda seeing monitor lizards and I, I couldn't believe that these animals were for sale like I've the only time I've ever seen these animals were at a zoo and just behind glass and I'm like I'm at a place where if I want to I can ask one of the vendors if I can hold it and I remember I held um, a monitor lizard my first time there a baby monitor lizard and I was just like wow I can't believe I can actually buy this thing and just seeing scorpions and tarantulas I've, i don't think i've ever seen a tarantula in my life until i went to that, that reptile expo and so going there i was like man i got i have to get something i have to get something there's no way i can walk out of this place without buying something i'm seeing people left and right buying different animals and i was like i don't want to feel left out and so i knew because i'm just you know what i'm saying getting back into animals, getting that passion back. I didn't want to buy something that was going to be a lot of work. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a scorpion. Um, I talked to the vendor and he was like, this is probably one of the easiest animals to take care of. I knew I didn't have to worry about feeding it every day and I can keep it in a small enclosure. So the first animal that I bought as an adult from Reptile Expo was a uh, Arizona um, desert hairy scorpion. It was like a baby. And um, I think I might have paid like $10 for it. I also didn't want to go expensive as well. And um, I remember getting it home. I've, that was my first time ever seeing a scorpion in my life. I had no idea you can buy scorpions. And so I was really excited about that. I remember taking it home the next day. I fed him a cricket and he ate the cricket. It was just fascinating actually seeing it stab and envenomate the cricket and then slowly eat it and um i was like man when is the next expo i can't wait to do this again and so 
fast forwarding maybe a, a few months um in louisiana there's not too many reptile expos it's not like how it is in florida here where it's, it seems like there's one every month somewhere in florida but um the next the next expo i went to uh i was like you know what I think I'm going to get something else, but I want to get something different because the scorpion was kind of getting a little boring. And the crazy part is after him eating the, the second day I got him, I, that's, that scorpion did not eat for the, the next year. I don't know why. I tried everything. I did all my research, but that scorpion went on a fast and would not eat anything, would not eat any crickets. I don't even, I never even saw it drink anything, which I don't think those, those desert scorpions um, drink water, even though I left like a little water dish and uh, a bottle cap. But I was like, man, this is, this is kind of boring. I think I wanted to try something else. So the next reptile expo I went to, I ended up getting a tarantula. I don't, I don't know why I got a tarantula, but I was like, you know what? I'm not quite ready to get a lizard or a snake. So let me get a tarantula, something that I don't have to feed that often, something that can just survive on cricket. So I got a striped knee tarantula and that actually kind of kicked off a, a tarantula craze for me. And then I ended up, I think, having like a total of like five or six tarantulas. I, I initially thought I was going to start breeding tarantulas. I started watching tarantula videos on YouTube, really getting into them, trying to learn the scientific names behind them. Um, but I was like, eh, I don't know, man. The tarantulas got a little boring for me as well because they would start fasting and they I don't know. They don't really have a personality. You just kind of feed them and then that's it. Takes them forever to molt. And a lot of times I, I know I had a, some species that would just burrow the whole time. And I didn't really want to get into any of the old world tarantulas because I don't really want anything that can seriously, seriously hurt me. So I, I kind of got into the tarantulas. I had like five or six at the most part. And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to get rid of these. So I ended up selling them on Craigslist. And I was like, you know what? The next Reptile Expo I'm going to, I think I'm ready to step it up and get a snake. So next Reptile Expo I went to, I kind of did my research. And I was like, I want a beginner snake. Something that stays relatively small, um, that I don't need a lot of space. And something that's that's pretty cool looking. So... My first snake that I ever purchased was a Kenyan sand boa, something that, like I say, stays relatively small so I can feed it mice and um, something that I can kind of hide a little bit because I didn't know how my family members would react <laughs> to a snake. I definitely knew I wasn't going to get like a boa constrictor or something like that. And so I got the snake. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, I actually got the snake and I had to buy the the glass tank, the thermostat, the heat mat, the bedding, the mice. I was like, man, this is kind of a big investment. And then and then it wasn't that expensive. I think I paid $50 for this one. Um, I think it was a male to a male Kenyan Samboa. And uh, I remember when I got it home, I told my mom, I was like, mom, the next time you come over here, um, I just want to let you know that I do have a snake, but it's, it's secure. It's not going to get out. It's not going to harm you. So it's nothing for you to be worried about. So the next time she came over to my house, that, that was the first thing she wanted to do. She was like, let me see that snake that you got. And I was like, are you sure? 
And she was like, yeah, I was like, it, it doesn't bite. It's, it's a baby. It's, it's pretty good. And so I showed it to her. She was like, let me hold that snake. And my mom held my Kenyan Samboa. And I couldn't believe it because I was like, you got to be kidding me. All my childhood, you told me I couldn't have a snake. I couldn't even touch a snake around you because you were scared to death of them. And now that I'm an adult and I get my first snake, you want to hold it. And now you realize that they're not that bad. I was like, you could I could have had a snake through my childhood and really, you know, what I'm saying just me being a, a entry level snake breeder, I could have had years of experience by this time. But I thought that was pretty crazy that my mom would let me have a snake. But then when I finally get one as an adult, she's not scared of it. And so the sand bowl was pretty cool, man. I never had any issues with it eating. It, it literally ate every time. So I think that was a, a really good experience for me because if you if your first snake is a good tempered snake and a snake that has an aggressive uh, feeding response, I think that that positivity right there will kind of um, elevate your, your love for the snakes and then make you may want to breed them in the future. So then went to another reptile expo. So it kind of it, it kind of got to the point where I was literally going to like every reptile expo in Louisiana. So from the one in Baton Rouge to Slidell, Louisiana, New Orleans, Lake Charles. And then a the cool thing about um, Slidell in New Orleans, they have a reptile show, which is not Repticon, but this one, I can't think of the name of it, but it's a hot show. So they have venomous snakes. And um, it was really cool seeing like snakes that I had no idea you can own as a pet. So spitting cobras, gaboon vipers. You had like the rattlesnakes, copperheads. Um, I, I think I've even seen like a green mamba, um, rhino vipers, just crazy stuff. Um, Gila monsters. And that, that was just like, I was like a kid in a candy store. I, I would just drive hours to go to these shows just to look at animals. And every time I went, I felt like just being around so many people that's buying the animals, it, it kind of made me feel peer pressured to get them. And so after the king sample, the next thing I had a California king snake. Then I got a Mexican black king snake. Then I got a ball python. Then I got a banded water snake. Then I got a crested gecko. Next thing you know, I my house was like a zoo. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the animals and I was learning. But I didn't really... I basically wasn't focused on breeding. I never thought I would breed. So I was just kind of getting the stuff that I was interested in and uh, things that I felt that were cool. And I was like, you know what? I didn't have any of this stuff when I was a kid. Now that I'm an adult, I have my own place. I'm going to get whatever I want. So and then just going on YouTube, watching Brian Burchek's Snake Discovery just learning as much as I can about animals. And it it really sparked a passion for me. And so fast forward a little more from there, I, I got tired of living in Louisiana. And I kind of wanted to branch out, move to a different state. And I narrowed it down to either Nevada, Texas, or Florida. And I ended up getting a job in South Florida. And I took, I took the opportunity and because I was moving to Florida, I didn't want to get a moving van and stuff like that. I knew I couldn't bring any of my animals. So I ended up selling everything on Craigslist. I sold 
the, the guy that I sold this stuff to, I gave him a great deal because I, I had to I had to get rid of the stuff as soon as possible. So I sold this guy all my snakes, five snakes, um, a thermostat. Um, let me see a thermostat. And I had a heat, I had a snake rack as well. I sold him that for $400. And I was like, you know what? I'm completely done with reptiles. I'm like, I'm starting all over in Florida and I don't, I'm not going to have any responsibility. That's it. And then moved down to Florida, my new job, first week of Florida, that weekend coming up, there was a rep reptile show. Now I live in Cape Coral, Florida. Um, they had a reptile show in Fort, I'm, I'm sorry, in Fort Myers, Florida, which is like 15 minutes from where I live. Like what, what are the odds of that? As soon as I moved to Florida, there's a Repticon. And I was like, you know what? I don't have nothing else to do. I'm still learning Florida. Let me go check out Repticon. I'm I'm not going to buy anything, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to look around. And so I went to it. it. It was a small show, a lot smaller than the shows that I went to in Louisiana. Um, one thing I noticed that they didn't, I thought here in Florida, it was going to be a lot more variety of animals. I didn't realize how strict the laws are in Florida. Like in Louisiana, it's nothing to see a, a boas and reticulated pythons and burmese pythons and things like that anacondas but down here in florida i didn't see any large snakes so i was just kind of looking around and um i i did good i didn't buy a snake but it kind of kicked in that passion again and it kind of got the wheels turning like you know what even though i said i wasn't going to get into reptiles anymore i might have to and so this is kind of when i started realizing okay i'm going to all these reptile expos literally everyone that that's available and i'm willing to drive it's just something that i'm passionate about eventually i want to actually vend one of these shows i think it would be really cool to be on the other side to actually have snakes that i produced and just being able to educate and talk to people about something that i'm passionate about because i don't really have anybody else to talk to this about and so I, after that show, I was like, okay, I need to find out what type of animal that I want to breed. So I went to the next reptile expo and this, the next reptile expo I went to may have been in like Tampa. I think it was in Tampa, Florida. It was either in Tampa or it was in Tampa, Florida. Okay. And so I wasn't sure if I wanted to get into like geckos or, or snakes. And so for some reason, like I, I developed this passion for toke geckos and I started doing a whole bunch of research on them and toke geckos still are not really that popular. They have gained popularity and they're a lot more expensive than, than two years ago when I first got mine. But I, the next Reptile Expo, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get a toke gecko. And so I got a toke gecko, which was he was wild caught twenty dollars still got him today i named him leroy and um it, it was pretty difficult um doing my research toke geckos are supposed to be they're supposed to have ravenous appetites but because mine is wild caught he was pretty skinny but i didn't know any better because i wasn't familiar with the species it was pretty difficult to get him to eat he was just scared of me he was scared of everything anytime i got close to his enclosure he started barking and 
trying to bite me and he just would not eat. And um, finally, as the weeks went on, just kind of just being consistent, um, learning different strategies to get the toke to trust me, I eventually got him to eat. Until um, this day, I still have to kind of, I still have to baby him into eating. He, it's not like he's one that that chases after the tongs to get the mealworm or the cricket. I actually have to put like the cricket to his mouth and he eventually chumps on it. So he still doesn't have a good appetite, but he does eat usually when I try to feed him. But I was like kind of dealing with the, the, the toke gecko and then going to the store and buying crickets all the time and mealworms. I was like, I really don't want to deal with this in terms of breeding because like I have this huge wired net enclosure, met mesh enclosure. And I'm like, it's not really doable to have a bunch of these enclosures to breed toke geckos, which really aren't worth that much money, even the captive born ones. So still started watching like a lot. Of, then I started really watching YouTube videos and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to get into snakes. I knew I was I knew I didn't want to get into ball pythons because I previously had a ball python when I lived in Louisiana. And even though they're pretty, they're kind of I kind of felt that they were pretty boring. Um, the ball python that I had really didn't do much, but just sit in the same position and ate once a week. And then just learning about the morphs of ball pythons going on morph market, it was just overwhelming. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to learn these morphs, not only just learning the names, but learning the the the, the phenotypes, like the, character, the visual characteristics of each morph, as well as once you start combining the morphs, being able to identify the snakes. And I just I felt like each time I would go to a reptile expo, it was just so dominant on on um ball pythons and I was like I couldn't differentiate like one ball one ball python breeder from the next it was just like they all had all kind of crazy stuff and I was like I would I don't think I would ever figure out how to price these things so I knew ball pythons was out the window and then I started looking into maybe uh house snakes like the African house snakes they stay relatively small and that, that's what I want. I wanted a small snake. And I, I also wanted, I also was thinking about doing a snake that does live birth. So I was like, maybe I can get back into the the sand boas or the rosy boas. But I was like, looking at the prices, I was like, eh, I don't know how well these are going to sell. And I don't really see too many people um, having them at the, the expos. And when they do have them at expos, I really don't see people paying attention to them or buying them. So I was like, I may, I may try the, I may try the, the sand boys, but I'm going to keep that in the back burner. So fast forward, I go to another reptile expo. Now this one was, must've been another Tampa expo because, or it may have been Sarasota, Florida. I can't remember, but I went to this expo and it was kind of at the end of the day where some of the, I guess, the cheaper stuff and some of the good stuff were sold. And this is when I first saw a Western hognose snake at a reptile expo. I've, this was my absolute first time. I've never seen any vendor in Louisiana sell a Western hognose snake. And I was kind of a little 
familiar with this species from watching snake discovery but i wasn't it, it didn't really like spark my interest until i saw the first one and so the vendor was uh was jeff goldblatt at um hardcore hognose he had a he had a um he was vending he had a table like at the back of the expo like i, I remember like passing it up a few times didn't even realize he had hognose snakes and I remember um, I was looking, I was like, man, these are hognose snakes. I've never seen this, uh, seen these snakes before. And he was like, yeah, man, they're pretty cool. And he uh, he let me hold one. And uh, one one thing that I found cool about them, not just their look, was their scales, like the killed scales. It felt different from like any of the other snakes that I've had in the past, like the the, the king snakes, the, the water snakes, and um, the ball python. The scales felt different and they stay relatively small so i was like man this might this might be something that i'm interested in and so um but back then i wasn't really spending a lot of money on snakes and i i realized by the time i got to his booth most of his normals his lower end snakes were all sold out he just had more the, the more expensive snakes so i was like you know what i'm gonna I'm look into these hognose snakes and so after that that's when I started doing my research on hognose snakes. I still wasn't a hundred percent sure if I wanted to breed them, but that kind of kicked off the the research. And so I started researching, and I was like, you know what? There's not too many morphs, and there's not that many morph combinations that have been done. So it was I was so I was like, okay, like just looking on morph market. I was like, all right, I think I can learn these morph names. And so that's what I started doing. I started trying to learn the names and then kind of associate the actual look of the snake to the names and then seeing what was out there, um, what the, the morph combinations look like and if I can identify them and then doing research, I realized that you can kind of visually sex um, a hog nose snake compared to like a, a king snake or a corn snake or a ball python where you actually have to pop them, which I never... And I still am not successful at doing that. And so I was like, you know what? I think I'm a I think I'm a stick with the hognose snake. So I was like, okay, the next reptile expo I go to, I'm gonna buy a snake from him. I'm gonna buy a snake from Jeff. So I went to like a few more and I didn't realize that he was from Tampa and he he only vends like a few expos. He does the Tampa Expo, Orlando, and I think he he may do the Sarasota every once in a while, but it's usually the Tampa Expos. And at this time, I really did not want to spend a lot of money on snakes. Now, spending a thousand dollars on a snake is nothing. But uh, I did my research. I remember I was actually going to buy. So 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 I was doing my research, and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to get an albino anaconda hognose snake that was the first snake that i wanted so i went to the tampa expo and he was there and his booth was like at the at the front of the expo and i i met him i spoke with him and i was like you know what i'm gonna get, before i leave out of here i'm gonna get one of your snakes and he had some he had some some females he had a he had some female um albino anacondas I'm, i can't even remember if they were het for exanthic or not but that's i just wanted an albino anaconda but i kept seeing this this one snake caught my eye an arctic albino and i was like you know what i'm a i'm like this isn't what i'm supposed to get and it was a male it's not what i'm supposed to get 
But I'm gonna go look around this expo. If I come when I come back, if the snake is gone, I'm gonna get this snake instead of that albino anaconda. So I was secretly hoping that this snake gets bought so I can stay on course. So I went around the expo and the Tampa Expo is pretty big, it has a lot of different vendors. I actually didn't see any more hognose snakes while I was there. And so I came back to his booth and um I saw the uh, the hognose snake that I I really wanted to get but I shouldn't get and it was the snake that I have now named Noodle. And the, the thing that stood out to me was he, his canary yellow color. Like he, to me, he looked better than all the other snakes that he had. Even though he had a kink in his back and he was pet only, I was like, at first I remember I asked him, I was like, is this a snow? Because I was still kind of learning the names. He was like, no, this isn't, this is an Arctic albino. And I was like, I know I said I was going to get an albino anaconda, but I'm going to go with my heart and I'm going to get this snake right here. And ended up getting them. Um, I think I paid like $300 to $350 for them. And I think at the same time, I kind of regret, I'm glad I, I bought him. And then I kind of regret that I got him. And the reason why I'm glad I got him is because to this day, he is my most well-behaved snake. He eats every time and if there's somebody that are new to snakes or anything like that, or they're scared of them, he is a snake that I go to to let them hold because I trust him. He doesn't hiss or anything. He's just a, the most laid back snake. The only bad thing about him is that he has a kink in his back. So it, I don't think that is right to breed him because I'm not sure if that was a birth defect or something that um, that happened um during like a uh, egg development i'm not sure if that's like something that's genetic that he can pass on but he that was my first hognose snake from jeff goldblatt and that's what started it all so once i got the arctic um albino that i named noodle from jeff that's when the research went on overdrive this is when i was like okay I like these snakes. This is what I want to breed. It hits everything that I want. It stays small. I can keep it on mice. They have a very good value in terms of they keep their value well. They're not a cheap snake. So when I produce some, you know what I'm saying, I can actually make money off of them. And I felt like I'm at the beginning because there's still a lot of two recessive visuals that haven't even been done it's not like corn snakes and ball pythons where you got snakes that have five and six different genes visually displayed and it gets to the point where it's crazy so i, I literally got obsessed i was literally at work on a morph market all day long on a morph calculator i started joining facebook groups i literally went on youtube and watched every video that had a hognose snake in it. I just type in hognose and I literally will watch every video, it, the very few videos that they were, but I literally will watch anybody that made hognose videos. I've seen your videos like two years ago. I wanted to learn as much as I could about them. And I remember the video that really, really sparked it was 
the uh, Dave Kaufman's video when he interviewed and went over to Jeff Gelwood's house and just seeing all those different combinations, seeing the the Arctic sables, the sunbursts, the lavenders. I remember when I first seen the sunbursts, I was like, man, this is crazy. And so, you you know, when you first get that bug, it's like you just it, you, it's like your imagination goes wow. You just start thinking, OK, what do I want to produce? What do I need to get? What males do I need to get? What females? What genetics? And then you just start going crazy. And then that's where it all started. So the next snake that I got was just a normal. I got her off of uh, Craigslist. I started looking on Craigslist, everything, fauna, king snake, literally any, any, I would just type in hognose on Google and just consume anything, go on Facebook and just be on Facebook for hours. Um, I ended up purchasing um, Kevin Rhodes book, which really helped me out a lot, learning different morphs. And not only was I learning the morphs, I was learning the different, uh, breeders. I was getting familiar with their names and what they produced. And so, um, the second snake that I got was like, go back to that was a normal, I got her off a of Craigslist. I just saw a baby female hog nose on Craigslist for $80. And I was like, you know what? That is pretty cheap. I've never seen a female hog nose snake for $80. So I got that snake named her sassy. Hopefully I can breed her this year. And then it just went on from there. And, and, and once I really figured out that, okay, I'm going to breed these snakes. I was like, okay, once I start breeding and producing babies, I don't want to get to the point where I can't sell these snakes because nobody knows who I am. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And also because a lot of the questions that I have about the different morphs and what they look like and there's not on YouTube. Like none of these breeders are making YouTube videos. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to wait until they start making videos. I'm going to, I'm going to do this myself. So that's when, um, I started a YouTube channel. I was like, okay, let me plan this out. First I need, I need a, a, a title. I need a name for this brand for my YouTube channel. And I was like, man, what is a good name that kind of that that kind of focuses on hognose snakes. So the first the first name that I thought of was Morph Chasers. But I was like, I don't that's that's kind of broad in terms of that. Like that could be for like a ball python, a boa, or whatever. And so I was like, you know what, I want something that's more specific to hognose snakes. And so I was watching videos on YouTube and I think I watched one of Emily's from Snake Discovery's video, and she was describing a hognose snake. And she said they have their their nose is like a hog, like a hog nose, and they use it to shovel dirt. And I was like, and I was kind of playing, I was like, okay, shovel nose, hog nose. I was like, okay, let me let me drop the hog nose to hogs, shovel nose hogs. And I was like, yo, that describes a hog nose to the T and it's kind of a catchy title and it's something that's that's easy to remember and so I was like I'm pretty sure somebody already came up with that name I was like it's it's, it's no way so what I did was I was like let me see if anybody has this name as their business so the first place I went to was morphmarket.com 
And if you go like to the hog nose snakes, you can go to the store, the store tab, and it'll bring up all the vendors that like post animals on Morph Market. And so first I typed in shovel nose hogs and I didn't see anything. No, no vendor popped up with that name. Then I, I was like, OK, let me just go to the S's. I went to the S's, scroll through. It was nobody named shovel nose at all. So then I went on Google. I may have went on Google first and I typed in shovel nose hogs and shovel nose hog nose and like no business came up. I'm not sure if I went on Facebook, but I know once I got on Morph Marketing scene that it wasn't um, present, I was like, this is the name that I'm going for. So I went and I created the YouTube channel, um, created an email, created an Instagram, shovel nose hogs. Once I got like, I want to say, once I started doing videos, I got like five videos in. And you know, every time I, I introduce myself, this is Jermaine from Shovel Nose Hogs. That's when I discovered John Rice. I had no idea who he was. And I'm still, this is back in when I first got into it. I really didn't know that many people other than like Jeff Gelwood. I heard of Mitch Davey just from like reading the, the Kevin Rhodes book, but I had no idea. And I was like, I seen him on Facebook. Somebody mentioned him and it was like, uh, thanks for the sable from Shovel Nose 82. And I was like, Shovel Nose 82? I was like, man, that name is pretty close to mine. And I was like, so I, I, I searched Shovel Nose 82 and I still didn't even know who John was. And I was like, man, I was like, Man, I wish I would have did more research because his name is very close to mine. But then I was like, it's still different. Shovel nose hogs. And then so I just kind of ran with it. And I was like, and I already started making videos. And um, and it was crazy. Uh, I went to the Daytona Reptile Expo 2020 and I went to Fathom Hogs. I remember Mitch Davey. I was like, I want to meet Mitch Davey. And then, um, like I said, I never I never even heard of John. I didn't even know they worked together. And then I was like, I had my camera out or my phone. And I was like, is it okay if I shoot some video for my YouTube channel? And uh, John was like, what's your, what's your YouTube called? I was like, it's Shovel Nose Hogs. He was like, oh, you the Shovel Nose guy. Um, he was like, people were saying that you stole my name. But he, I was like, I was like, you're Shovel Nose 82? And he was like, man, it's okay, man. Um, it's two different names. But that, that was kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, that's how Shovel Nose Hogs kind of got about. And um, and so I just started making videos and I was like, you know what? I want to not only produce videos educating people about things that I wish that I wanted to know. Like I, I wanted to know about the different morphs and morph combinations. Like I said, it wasn't on YouTube. So I was like, once I learn about this, I'm going to make YouTube videos about this. And I also want to just document my whole journey into becoming a snake breeder. And so just making YouTube videos and with the Instagram, I don't post as often as I should, but um, just starting it out like that. And um, things have, you know what I'm saying, have really been great in terms of just meeting people and learning a whole bunch and just basically networking with different breeders. Like, and, it, and it's crazy because like, it's they're kind of like celebrities. It's kind of it's weird because like people that you you see post on Morph Market, you may see their their 
their pictures on Facebook and then actually like meeting them and talking with them and forming relationships and stuff like that. that that's pretty cool. And um, just kind of from there, man, just basically just buying the snakes that I like, coming up with breeding projects um, this past year. Uh, I paired my first, I bred my first snakes or bred my first animals, period. Uh, my super Arctic anaconda to my Arctic um, anaconda and producing babies and turning shovel nose hogs into an LLC, an official business, and just, you know what I'm saying, just keep on going. And uh, I feel like the sky's to the limit, especially just for anybody that's breeding hog nose snakes. Um, people that's getting into it, like I feel like this is like the perfect time to get into it while it's still in its infancy. And hognose snakes, man, I don't think they'll ever get to the point of ball pythons, but I think they can get close in terms of the popularity. Because a lot of people, if you ask people to have a variety of snakes and they have a hognose snake, they'll always say, My favorite snake is a hognose snake. And so Hopefully people that listen to this podcast, hopefully this this story of how I came to this point where I'm at will inspire some people to to start breeding or getting snakes. And I say to people all the time, like, get on social media, start an Instagram, start a YouTube, do what I do, interview people, show off your stuff like you never know where it's going to take you in the next three to five years. Um so yeah, that's this is actually like my first um podcast where I'm just just going off the top of the head. Um stay tuned for more. I think uh for the the next few episodes I'm going to break down um what I feel is going to be like the future projects that people should start focusing on. Um as well as probably breaking down the different morphs again. Um, letting you, people that may not know what's out there, what's been produced and um, what you can produce in the future to kind of push this hobby forward. So hope y'all enjoyed this video. I'll see y'all for the next one.